Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Better Than Before. I'm your host, Tony Richards, as evidenced by the big voice announcer that opened our show, along with chief producer Bill Foster. Hello, Tony. Hello, Bill. How are you, sir? I'm good. How about you? Good. If you're a first-time listener to our podcast, I want to remind you that we usually download the show new episodes every Tuesday afternoon, and we'd love to have you as a regular subscriber. We're just happy that you're here today Check us out and listening if this is your first time. If you're a regular listener, hello to you. And don't forget that we would like to have 50 five-star reviews by the end of the year. So give us a rating. Uh, we would appreciate it and be very grateful this holiday season for your generosity. If you're looking for a gift uh, for that leader in your life, I would recommend my book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now on your Christmas list. You can order that at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Books A Million if you'd like to have it shipped to you as a hard copy. We have some here at the Clear Vision office at 20 East Southampton Drive, Columbia, Missouri, Suite 101. If you'd like a digital copy, uh, you can uh, get that at Amazon on your Kindle or Barnes & Noble on your Nook. If you'd like an audio version, you can get that at the Clear Vision website store, clearvisiondevelopment.com. You want to give it to them like, you want to give it to them and say, I was thinking of you. I know you like leadership and business books, and I thought this would be great for you. Uh, don't give it to them and say, well, here's some stuff you could do to get better. Here's 52 ways you could be better, pal. Well, it's a good read, and uh, once you get started, it goes pretty quick. Yeah, and uh, Caitlin here in our office, I was so happy. I'd go by her office, and she'd have a chapter a day on her dry erase board, and she worked through the whole book, all the exercises and everything. That's awesome. Pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so every chapter has a little exercise at the end. Chapter one is, is very challenging. It, it talks about what's your purpose What's your mission gives you an outline on how to write a purpose statement for your life and, and for your role. And sometimes people spend more than one week on that uh, because that's, that's really important to, to have that. It focuses you. Right. So what's in the headlines this week we want to talk about? The U.S. border is a popular subject. The U.S. border arrests on the Mexico border jumped 78% in November from last year. Uh, to the highest level since Donald Trump has been president, with families and children accounting for a majority for the third straight month. The numbers are the latest sign that people who cross the border illegally are increasingly families and children traveling alone, a trend that began several years ago but has accelerated since summer. The Border Patrol made 25,172 arrests of people who came as families in November, nearly four times the same period last year, Parent Agency Customs and Border Protection said. There were 5,283 arrests of unaccompanied children, up 33% from a year earlier. 
And I just want to say that I'm very appreciative and thankful for those Border Patrol officers and the job that they're doing. It's not an easy job. It's not something that you probably would want to do. And so they're doing something you wouldn't want to do by uh, protecting our borders and our nation. So I spend quite a bit of time in prayer for our Border Patrol and our border officers. And I also pray for those families who... We can't let them in the country illegally. We've got to have a process. Uh, we, we actually have a process for you to enter the United States short term and both become a citizen long term. And I pray that they will have the opportunity to do that. But in the short term, I pray for their safety and their health. Uh, the, the families who are trying to escape, I'm sure, worlds of terror that we can't even imagine and at the same time again we have to have a process so i just pray for all involved i mean it's it's a sad situation uh, but it is also a reality so story number two what have we learned from the now infamous facebook documents so the facebook documents were released by a british lawmaker And these portray Facebook as a ruthless corporate giant that will do whatever it takes to squeeze out competitors and increase user engagement with its products. Some analysts began downgrading Facebook stock in the wake of yesterday's drama. And Facebook says the provider of the documents cherry-picked the evidence as part of a lawsuit many years ago. While the documents give important context into how Facebook executives operate and make decisions, it's really unclear whether they expose anything that's illegal. Now, you may not think it's moral or ethical, but they are not doing anything illegal. What have we learned from these documents on Facebook? Number one, we're all very naive about data breaches and data leaks. An email shows a former Facebook vice president of product management saying he was generally skeptical there was much strategic risk in data leaks between developers, like what happened with Cambridge Analytica. Number two, white lists. The documents show that Facebook gave some companies like Netflix and Lyft access to their data that Facebook stopped giving broad access to beginning in 2014 through 15 after it changed its data policies. Number three, value of friend data. Facebook's executives discussed requiring developers to buy ads in order to access users' personal information as an opportunity to monetize their developer relationships. Number four, call and text history on Android. Facebook's executives emailed about the PR and legal risks of accessing a record of Android call and message history. Emails make it seem like the company wanted to collect the data as discreetly as possible to avoid such risks. And number five, targeting of competitor apps. An email exchange shows Mark Zuckerberg approving a decision to shut down Vine's access to friends via Facebook for the purposes of undermining its success as a video competitor. 
Now, this week on Mark Zuckerberg's own Facebook page, he says, I understand there's a lot of scrutiny on how we run our business and our systems. That's healthy, given the vast number of people who use our services around the world, and it is right that we are constantly being asked to explain what we do. But it's also important that the coverage of what we do, including the explanation of those internal documents, does not misrepresent our actions or motives. So you're going to go delete your Facebook account now? Probably not. Me either. But it is interesting. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you really have no idea what's going on there. Right. It's kind of cool to be able to look in a little bit. And then finally, you know, it's been a sad sad week uh, because we lost uh, President uh, George H.W. Bush. And um, I was trying to think of what I could say or what information I could pick out. Um, I, I posted the video of Bob Dole standing uh, at his casket, which was very moving. Uh, I also uh, thought the the picture of his service dog laying at the uh, base of the casket was very, very moving. So I was looking for something that maybe people haven't talked about a lot where President Bush 41 was concerned. And I uncovered this. I thought this was kind of cool. This presidential funeral is going to be the first one in 50 years to use a train. So the locomotive has been painted to look like Air Force One. President Bush 43 said that he might have left Air Force One behind Uh, during the 2005 unveiling of 4141, a blue and gray train. Uh, Today, that same 4,300-horsepower machine has carried Bush's casket along with relatives and close friends for around 70 miles, and the journey is going to go through five small Texas towns and is expected to take about two and a half hours, and it will take the casket from suburban Houston to College Station, Texas. And there, they will then join a motorcade that uh, has taken President Bush to the Presidential Library at Texas A&M, where he has been laid to rest at a private ceremony next to his wife, Barbara, who died this past April, and his daughter, Robin, who many people had forgotten, died at the age of three back in 1953. I think it was, um, maybe it was the New York Times. I saw it on Twitter, but there was this cartoon that this person had drawn of heaven. And uh, President Bush and his World War II airplane had landed in heaven. And he said, thanks for waiting for me. And Barbara and his little daughter were there to greet him in heaven, which was very, very moving. Mm -hmm. The train's sixth car... A converted baggage hauler called Council Bluffs has been fitted with transparent sides, which has allowed mourners lining the tracks to view President Bush's flag-draped coffin. And this is the eighth funeral train in U.S. history and the first since Dwight D. Eisenhower's body traveled from the National Cathedral in Washington through seven states to his Kansas hometown of Abilene 49 years ago. Abraham Lincoln's funeral train was the first one for a president in 1865. Union Pacific originally commissioned the Bush locomotive for the opening of an exhibit at his presidential library called Trains, Tracks of the Iron Horse. It was one of the few times the company painted a locomotive any color other than its traditional yellow. And after a brief training session during 4141's unveiling, remember that's the name of the train, 4141, 
Uh, it was unveiled 13 years ago, and President Bush took the engineer's seat and helped take the locomotive for a two-mile drive. Union Pacific was contacted by federal officials in early 2009 and asked at President Bush's request about using this as the funeral train when he passed away. Trains were the mode of transportation that first carried Bush to his service as a naval aviator in World War II and then brought him safely home again after the war. And he once recalled how he took trains and often slept on them during trips as a child with his family. We just rode on the railroads all the time, and I've never forgotten it, and I truly enjoy it. So Nice. He got to take a ride. His last ride, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. How did you feel about Bush 41, Bill? Well, I I was thinking about that. Um, I was in college at the time, and so I was just starting to pay attention to politics. And um, I forget, who was he running against? It was... Well, in the Republican Party in 1988, he was running against Bob Dole. That's right. Uh, And then uh, Michael uh, Dukakis. That's right. On the Democratic side. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't really have any stories or anything about him or, you know, anything. Uh, it's a combination of things about him. Uh, I, I, of course, I remember when he was running for re-election against uh, in, uh, the Democratic candidate, which was Bill Clinton, in 1992, and he lost that race. And the thing I remember most about that whole race is the whole potato thing where uh, Quayle could not spell potato. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> Dan Quayle, who was his running mate, mm-hmm. was in the classroom, and, and he misspelled potato. He put an E on the end of it of potato. <laughs> but the other real clear memory I have, and quite frankly, it happened uh, just a little bit before then. I remember the night we did Desert Storm. Uh, I was sitting in a restaurant in Paducah, Kentucky. I was still working in a company in Kentucky at that time. And I'd gone out with a couple of my executives that um, were on my team. And we were at C.C. Cohen in downtown Paducah uh, eating dinner. And it came on television that we had the Gulf War had started, uh, which happened uh, during President Bush's time. Right. Okay, so uh, just a, a wonderful human being, I think, President Bush. He was criticized, as aren't we all, mm-hmm. um, but just uh, seemed like a wonderful f- human being. The uh, movie W, uh, which was based on George W. Bush's life, did not portray him as the greatest father ever. But, I mean, who knows? I mean, that's, those are all portrayals. and Right, right. And you know how it is, uh, the generational thing where, you know, we might think it's harsh, but in reality, he grew up in a different time. Yeah, yeah. And as and as I've often said, if my mother and father were not my mother and father, and I just thought of them as neighbors down the street, I would have thought they were awesome. <laughs> but because they were my mother and father, of course, I saw shortcomings, right? Right. But I probably would have loved them if they, you know, just thought they were the most wonderful people ever if they lived down mm-hmm. the street. So sometimes you just got to, you know, think about that. Yes, perspective. Okay, here we go with my stat of the day. And we've got some listener questions coming up in our next segment. I mean, it's, they've been burning up the info at clearvisiondevelopment.com email sending me questions they'd like me to answer. So I've got some questions for listeners coming up in just a sec. But before we get there, here's Tony's stat of the podcast. Men with shaved heads are perceived bigger and stronger. Nice. 
Though I don't actually shave my head. No. <laughs> I, I buzz it pretty tight, though. Uh, now, what keeps you from just going the whole deal? Because I don't like, I, I personally, I don't really care for that look. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Well, well, here, the, the, you'll be interested in this stat. It might change your mind. Shaven-headed men seen in photographs were perceived as an inch taller and 13% stronger than men with full heads of hair. This according to an experiment reported by the Wall Street Journal. Albert Manns of the Wharton School says he conducted his study after noticing that he was treated with greater deference after shaving off his hair. <laughs> I mean, I, I got a thousand things I could say that I think would be fairly humorous, but at the risk of getting beaten up by bald-headed men, I think I'll just uh, not. I think, no, I'm not speaking for all bald-headed men, but um, I think we would all like our hair back. His research shows that men with shaved heads are seen as more dominant than men with full hair. And I've just decided, it's just come to me, that this is all because of Mr. Clean. Ah. We have been presented with the image of Mr. Clean our whole lives <laughs> since we were small. And now I want to see research with the one earring in <laughs> and the white T-shirt because that's Mr. Clean, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, it's Kojak. That's, that was my... Tele Savalas. Yes. Kojak. <laughs> and that's your stat of the day on the Better Than Before podcast. Speaking of which, Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. And right now, when you get a new Subaru during the Share the Love event, Subaru will donate $250 to a charity in need. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. And we know how important it is to give back because this is our home. During the Subaru Share the Love event, get a new vehicle and Subaru will donate $250 to those in need. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here. Been here. And we will always be here for you. Subaru will donate $250 to purchaser or lessee selected national and hometown charities. See retailer or Subaru.com slash share for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before, and in this segment, we're going to do some listener-generated questions. If you have a question for the show, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it in via email, info at clearvisiondevelopment.com. And you know what, Bill? I was thinking, perhaps in 2019, we ought to pick our favorite question, and maybe that person wins something. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So if we got, you know, six to ten questions, mm -hmm. what do you think the best question was? We'll pick that person. We'll give them some clear vision swaggerino of some kind. <laughs> so here's what's come in. This person says, which disc style do you think requires the most energy to adapt to? 
For those who don't know, DISC is a measurement of behavior, and the DISC assessment tells you how you tend to behave in certain situations, such as problems and challenges, uh, when you influence people, how you like to run from a pace and consistency standpoint, and also how much of your behavior requires procedures, constraints, and rules. And each one of those four things I just mentioned fall in the category of DIS or C. The way I would answer this question for you, listener, is that uh, the one that requires the most energy to adapt to is the one that's most opposite of you. I often talk about the adaptation to disc styles as if you put a rubber band between your thumb and first finger because we all have flexibility in our behavior and we all have the ability. I mean, we all wear some masks at times. Uh, We mask our emotions in different ways, usually by stretching our behavior. Uh, And that is like stretching that rubber band between the thumb and first finger. And the farther you have to stretch that rubber band, the more energy it takes. So dealing with people who are opposite your behavior style. So in other words, if you like to go fast and uh, you like to uh, you like to go pretty erratic and you like a lot of motion and the other person likes a lot of pace and consistency uh, to the slower side and perhaps they are more task oriented and you are more people oriented, that is going to require a lot of adaptation by you and also by them. Now, it will take less by you if they're willing to come a certain amount. But if they're not willing or oblivious, then you have to come the whole way, which is more difficult and going to take more energy. This person says, what does it mean to you and how do you explain how to be a team player? Here's the way I explain it. If you want to be a team player, you have to be considerate to everyone on the team's thoughts and feelings. So the reason we do all these assessments and such and everybody sees their assessment and they see the other people's assessment is so you can see the preferences for everybody on the team. So uh, Bill and I are somewhat opposite. He has a different speed than I do. He has a different thought process than I do. He's different as far as his introversion and extroversion uh, than me. And so the onus is on Bill to be thoughtful of me and my um, behavior, but it goes the other way too. Uh, The onus is on me to be mindful of Bill and not just Bill, but everybody on the team. So everybody on the team needs to be mindful of everybody else on the team and how they prefer to do stuff. And if you're constantly being flexible to that, to me, that's a team player because Um, To go just a little bit further, when you're a team player, you're in the boat. And the boat is like the company uh, that we're all working in. And so if the boat has a leak in it down at the other end, uh, I can't laugh at that person or those people on that end uh, because my end doesn't have a leak because we're in the same boat. And so you have to have the pers- that kind of perspective to be a good team player that I need to go to the other end of the boat and help them with their leak because it's affecting the whole boat. So to me, that's 
And, and, you know, I think for people who, and, and this is what's great about starting kids in athletics these days, because it just seems like everybody plays sports now, all kids, all different kinds of sports. Soccer is big among children now, which wasn't when I was growing up. Softball, baseball, basketball, golf. It seems like we have all these teams now at the uh, elementary school and the high school level, which should teach you more about being on a team and teamwork, which that develops that mentality at an early age, which I think is, is wonderful. You have to, you have to realize that the team is not going to win or lose just based on your contribution, but on everybody's contribution. And it's on everybody to make sure they contribute. And they're also mindful of the other people on the team. Uh, what are your tips for a manager to prepare for a one-on-one with a report? And I assume they mean a direct report, somebody that reports to them. This comes up all the time. And so while I can't give you the exact formula, here's what I can tell you. You need to decide collaboratively with that direct report what it is that they're supposed to be doing on a day-to-day basis. What outcomes and results do you expect from them? And you get agreement on that. Then you get agreement on what are the activities that they need to be doing on a daily, weekly, monthly, and quarterly basis in order to achieve that outcome. And every one-on-one we have, I'm going to be asked questions Uh, I'm going to be asking questions of my report around those particular activities and those particular results. So I'm going to have KPIs set up for that person, key performance indicators. And those key performance indicators are going to tell us whether or not that person is doing really good, good, cautiously good, or needs improvement. So think of it like a traffic light, red, yellow, green, and then exceeding green. Uh, for red being caution, we're not, we're not doing, for example, and this is the easiest one, salespeople, how many calls are you making? How many proposals did you uh, do? Um, how many, a bit much business did you close? You can look at all of those KPIs, key performance indicators, and your questions and coaching should be centered around that. And that should be the majority of your one-on-one. Now, of course you should ask how the family's doing and how are you doing? And, you know, if you've given an assignment of any kind, you need to be following up. How's it going with the project I gave you? Um, how's it going with the reading material? Um, what did you get out of the last two chapters you read and the reading material? You need to be following up and leaning in on the rudder of the ship uh, that they're, they're sailing. So you're helping guide and direct, and you're just that accountability piece to make sure that they're doing what they need to be doing. And the one-on-one is the check-in. This person says, should you give praise to all your direct reports equally? Uh, would say no, uh, unless they deserve it. Uh, I would say you, you need to in, embrace this concept of fair but not equal. And that's very difficult for some people to process. So let me kind of unpack it uh, here just a little bit. You need to be fair in your assessment of someone. And you need to be fair as far as your distribution of criticism, coaching, and praise. 
but you don't have to be equal because not all performances are equal. Uh, if Sally did an exceptional job and her KPIs and her results are in super green and she's overperforming, then I'm probably going to give her more praise for a job well done, of course, than someone who's in the cautionary level or in the non-performing level. They're probably going to get more criticism and coaching, and Sally's going to get more good jobs and attaboys. Uh, but I'm going to be fair, and make. And how I'm going to be fair is I'm going to allot the same amount of resources and the same amount of training and the same amount of coaching to everyone on an equal basis. But my evaluation and my attaboys and my criticism is going to be doled out in a fair way, but not in an equal way. Uh, this person says, how do you explain culture to someone at your workplace? This has to do with whether or not you have your core ideology in place. What's core ideology, you might ask? Well, it's made up of a couple of components. Purpose and mission should be talking about why the company exists. Why were we founded? Why are we here? The vision should be talking about where. Where are we going in the next three to five years? Where is the company going? Where is this taking us on this wonderful ride we're on? And then the core values should be very clear as to how we're supposed to behave to each other and to customers, to vendors and suppliers. It is more your code of ethics and code of conduct so the way I explain culture is that it's all driven by that core ideology of mission, purpose, vision, and core values. And as long as we're in alignment with the purpose and the mission and the vision and the core values of the company, we're probably contributing to the culture we want rather than the culture that we don't want. So how I explain it is I go back to those three or four components uh, and if you don't have them, you need to get them uh, as soon as possible. You let your employees participate in that process because they're going to buy in uh, a little bit better with things they help create rather than things that you hand down. Last question. This person says, my boss has used the term CapEx with me, and I'm not sure that what it means. Where, what does this mean where my budget is concerned? Help? Question mark. So this is an excellent question because what this question tells me, I'm going to brag on you, listener. So what this question tells me is you've gotten to a place where your supervisor trusts you with funds and budgets and decisions around capital and resources. So good for you. Also good for you for writing into the show and asking this particular question when you probably could have just Googled it or whatever. But so CapEx, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, capital expenditures is what it stands for. And CapEx is a term typically used in financial terms to describe money set aside for tangible assets. So when Bill comes in and asks me for more microphones and cameras and monitors and computers so we can do a better, better than before show, those are all tangible assets that the money that's spent for that are typically classified as CapEx. Now, 
It has to be used for more than one year in the business operation. And also, it's reported in the cash flow statement. And the amount is the outflow of cash. And it's usually listed in the investing activities part of the statement. Sometimes the amount's listed as capital expenditures. And sometimes it's listed as purchase of property and equipment. Also, the way to look at it is capital expenditures increase the prospective asset accounts, which are reported in the, the uh, non-current asset section of the balance sheet. And sometimes that is listed as property, plant, and equipment. Once you start using those assets, or as accountants will say, placed in service, uh, they're depreciated over their useful life. And the accumulated depreciation for the assets is also reported as part of the property, plant, and equipment section. You usually can subtract from the cash of the operating activities to get to the free cash flow number. So capital expenditures just simply is use money you set aside for things. I also call them sometimes OTOs or one-time onlys. Like you're not going to buy computers every year. You're not going to buy monitors every year. You're not going to buy computer screens every or computers every year. They're one time only for that particular year. And if it's based on an asset you're going to be using and put into service that can be depreciated, it usually comes out of the CapEx budget. Those are our questions for this week's show. Uh, if you'd like to submit a question for Better Than Before, you can do it by sending it in on the email address info, I-N-F-O, at clearvisiondevelopment.com, and we will use it on a future show, I promise you. I've got your leadership and business lesson coming up next on Better Than Before. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. And we know how important it is to give back because this is our home. During the Subaru Share the Love event, get a new vehicle and Subaru will donate $250 to those in need. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here. Been here. And we will always be here for you. Subaru will donate $250 to purchaser or lessee selected national and hometown charities. See retailer or Subaru.com slash share for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. Tony Richards here with your leadership and business lesson this week. And a couple of episodes back, I don't know, three or four or five episodes back, I talked about taking time for yourself every week and set aside some time just to uh, review some things, to think about some things, have some thinking time and some time where you're quiet. And uh, I got a listener question uh, about a week after that episode, and they said, man, this is difficult. What do I do with this time that I'm setting aside? And I promised to give you some tips and some topics of things that you could be thinking about in that thinking time. 
also a, an episode or two ago, I talked to you about cleansing your life and getting rid of some stuff that uh, you no longer need to do or you no longer need to have. And uh, I told you the story about cleansing my basement and throwing a few things away every week that I just didn't need anymore. And they were cluttering up my space and uh, I don't like clutter. So to me, uh, getting rid of some stuff is, is a good thing. And I talked about that for you. So I thought I would give you another thing that you could insert into your weekly time to just be alone and be thinking. And there are two things that typically undermine us more than anything else. One of those things is money. Number two is relationships. And there is no better time than right now to start building strong, healthy, advantageous relationships in your life that help support you and uh, are a benefit and a blessing to you overall in your life, in your business, and in your career. So what should relationships be for us? Well, we should have relationships close to us that support us. Uh, the relationships that should support our work, they should support our risks, and they should support our plans. It's not uncommon to work on the relationships you need for the future. And who do you have around you that could make a real difference to you? And relationships are difficult and they're complicated and you have to build them one step at a time, just like a house or or a proposal that you're putting together for a client. You have to have a strong basis and a strong foundation in order to build upon it in order to have a successful relationship. Now, here's something I want you to think about from our family and our loved ones. We need commitment, not just compliance. We don't just need our family and our loved ones to just settle or just be okay with us or just to accept us. We also need commitment from them. And this is not just essential in business, but just as a human being. Your primary relationships need to be nurtured and bring the people into the picture. And we need to be able to be transparent about who we are. When you're thinking about your relationship and whether or not people are supporting you correctly, but also think about have you given them and shared enough for them to be able to support you correctly? Have you shared your victories? Have you shared your defeats? Have you shared your challenges and your obstacles? And you might say, well, gosh, that doesn't seem to be very much fun. I mean, I'm going to sit down and tell somebody about all my challenges and all my obstacles and all my defeats. Well, People need the whole story if they're going to support you correctly. And a lot of times we just tell them the parts we want them to know rather than giving them the whole story. We need to be able to be authentic in, in our relationships. They need to see us for who we really are, our best points and our worst points. And sometimes uh, we're not looking for any necessary advice. We're just looking for commitment and support. Ask yourself, are my friends and colleagues and acquaintances still the ones I deserve at this stage in my life and career? Are you still hanging out with people that were at a different stage 
In other words, they were at the same stage you were 10 years ago, but you've moved on and you've become something more or something different or something more successful, but you still hang around with the same people who are at the same level you were at 10 years ago. Sometimes that can be problematic. Should they still be in your universe? Do you have any naysayers or professional victims in your life, in your relationships? Do you have anyone who projects their feelings onto you? Do you have any passive aggressives? These relationships are all energy suckers. And I see it where I could buy in if you tell me you have one or maybe two of people who genuinely need your help and they need you to support them. But when you have a bunch of these people around and they're sucking all the energy out of you, no wonder you're not being successful or maybe you're getting defeated. You're around naysayers, victims, negativity, and defeat all the time. I heard one smart person say, you are the sum total of the five people you hang out with the most because they're all putting into you things that they have to give. You can't give something to somebody that you don't have. And sometimes we don't want what people have to give us, quite honestly. They mold us and shape us and influence and project onto us in bad ways, not in good ways. What are your strengths as a person? How can you include them into your relationships? How can your strengths be a catalyst to have a relationship with somebody else? Your relationships should not start from a point where you're damaged but from a place where you're strong and healthy. Does that make sense? Your relationships should not start from a place where you're weak or damaged, but from a place where you're strong and from a place where you're healthy. People often don't choose their relationships. They fall into them. So don't fall into some bad relationships today. That's your leadership and business lesson, and I hope you found value in it. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. And right now, when you get a new Subaru during the Share the Love event, Subaru will donate $250 to a charity in need. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. We'll talk to you next Tuesday when we drop a new episode of Better Than Before. For Bill Foster, our chief producer, and Whitney Coker, our associate producer, I'm Tony Richards, your host, saying everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leader's podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.